0: This is Mark Sanford Gross, and when I'm in Portland, I listen to KBOO, KBOO 90.7
1: FM, Portland.
0: KBOO Community Radio
1: holds open meetings concerning the operations and programming of KBOO in accordance with requirements of the Communications Act of 1934 and certification requirements of the Corporation for Public Broadcasting. Information about KBU Community Radio's open meeting policy is available on our website at KBU.FM. KBU's Board of Directors meets on the fourth Monday of the month at 6 p.m. This month's meeting will be held at 20 Southeast 8th Avenue in Portland and online through a public video conference. A public link and phone number to attend the meeting virtually can be found on our website at KBU.FM. Please visit our website to verify if a meeting is being
0: held. On the next episode of Voices for the Animals, we'll look into the case of a goat, a girl, and the rise of more compassionate and humane alternatives to 4-H agricultural programs. We'll be speaking with Danielle Hanush, Executive Director of LEAP leaders for ethics, animals, and the planet. It's a program that offers students the farm animal care experience and opportunities of 4-H without the selling of those animals for slaughter, which can traumatize many kids. These kids were, you know, 14, 6, 15, 16 years old and just realizing like someone flipped a switch that, oh my gosh, these animals are no different than my dogs and cats at home. And now I'm knee deep in this program and I don't think that there's another option and I have to betray my friend who I have cared for. We've got your goat. <laughs> <laughs> on the next Voices for the Animals, Friday, November 24th at 10 a.m., right here on 90.7 KBU FM. The KBOO radio station is located in Portland, Oregon, in Multnomah County. We honor the indigenous people whose traditional and ancestral homelands we stand on. The Multnomah, Kathlamet, Clackamas, Tumwater, Watlala, Bands of the Chinook, the Tualatin, Kalapuya, and many other indigenous nations of the Willamette and Columbia River regions. It is important to acknowledge the ancestors of this land and to recognize that we are here because of the sacrifices forced upon them. In remembering these communities, we honor their legacy, their lives, and their descendants with the forming of relationship to each other and the living world. We establish and support harmony within ourselves, and set the stage for practice (laughs) howdy everybody i'm rose maddox and i'd like to tell you that you're listening to kboo in portland oregon the station that i listen to when i'm in the area
1: welcome to labor radio on kboo portland i am michael Cathcart, and i'm elliot gilliland thank you so much for joining us uh we would first just like to give a special thanks and shout out to the labor radio podcast network for hosting podcasted versions of our show each month Be sure to check that out at laborradionetwork.org. So, you know, after a historic six-week rolling strike across the auto industry uh, that garnered international attention, the United Auto Workers, or the UAW union, uh, has now reached tentative agreement with the big three automakers, which are Ford, Stellantis, and General Motors. Um, Ford was the first of the big three to reach uh, a deal with the UAW, which was announced on October 25th. But Stellantis and GM were not far behind that. The contract at GM, uh, which was the first to be ratified, was narrowly supported with approximately 55% of members voting in favor. Yep. And around 68% of Ford and Stellantis workers voted in favor of their
0: agreements. Yeah. Um, according to multiple reports, the the lower GM uh, worker support was due to not getting some of the concessions they gave up yeah. in the kind of 2008 financial crisis um, in order to support the uh, auto manufacturers.
1: Yeah, that was a big, like sort of a big impetus to the entire strike was kind of just trying to claw back what was lost in 2008. Um, and, you know, I, obviously there are other things and things have compounded since then, but that was a major driver of why this, the union needed to strike in the first place, uh, you know, what is it, 15 years later? 12, yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: and obviously we'll dive into all the agreements, but generally the, the reaction has been... Pretty staunchly in favor of a large UAW victory. Absolutely, um, but it appears you know that obviously some of the GM workers were hoping for more, which I think everybody was. Yeah, I suppose that's probably always
1: the case. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> uh, but yeah, so all three contracts they look similar, uh, and workers basically, you know, the 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 gist of them all are that workers get raises, um, cost of living allowances, uh, five thousand dollar ratification bonuses. And for workers hired after two thousand and seven, without defined benefit pensions, they get a ten percent annual company contribution into their four hundred one k. There is still a little bit of a tier system
0: with pensions and post retirement health care, but the wage tier system has basically been eliminated.
1: Which is a huge victory. I mean, because that is always one of the things that you know when a, a union does go on strike. Uh, over contract issues. That is always a major thing. It's like tears in terms of, you know, senior, uh, employees with seniority getting certain pay structures and then newer employees getting screwed. Um, mm-hmm. So the fact that, that the union, you know, stood on their ground on this and made sure that there was no difference between newer employees and the sort of, you know, grandfathered employees, uh, that is a major victory for them. Well,
0: well yeah. And, and I think the reason that happens is, you know, a lot of the structure of a union is the stuff that you're able to give up is for people who aren't in the union yet. Right. Right. Because you don't they don't have a voting power. They don't have a base that that, that can kind of support things. So typically it's an area where concessions happen.
1: So it's an interesting decision. Yeah. I mean, that really is. That's a great point that, like, it's a lot easier for the folks who are currently in the union and the ones who are undertaking the strike to say all right well we got for ourselves and therefore we we are going to do better and yeah it screws the people that are coming in after us but we don't know them they aren't here yet so why does it really matter i mean it's a reason why there's a rookie pay scale in all the major sports because they basically give concessions to people who aren't in the union yet yeah absolutely and so it does really sort of point to the fact that this this is not just your this is not a strike like we've seen previously this is a very revolutionary strike that happened uh, a union that is understanding the long-term goals that they're trying to achieve and really, you know, trying to set themselves up to be kind of a beacon for growing the labor movement in general by recognizing that they need to roll in the people, the future workers, into the, the benefits that are being uh, fought for here by the folks who were already in the union. The UAW also secured a demand that Stellantis reopen the Belvedere plant in Illinois which the company idled uh, in February of 2023, and they, you know, which led to the laying off of 1,200 workers. Uh, Stellantis is now planning to invest nearly five billion into the Belvedere plant, with the aim of not just reopening the shuttered parts distribution center that was there, but also building an entirely new assembly and battery plant there. Um, that you know, which would be the first uh, effort of its kind within the American industry. Um, and, you know, we discussed this in, you know, when previously discussing the UAW strike, but uh, any future battery plant workers that are going to be working at the Belvedere battery assembly facility uh, will now be covered under the UAW's master agreement with the big three. Which you know, that is, that was a major part, that was kind of a stretch that the union put out there. It was more of a public demand that they, that they put uh, instead of sort of a direct demand, uh, you know, for concession from the, work, uh, from the companies that basically like recognizing that the future of the auto industry is largely going to be uh, electric vehicles and so therefore there's going to be a whole new set of facilities that need to be designed to build those um, cars instead of you know the electric or sorry the the gas uh, consuming cars that we already have and those workers were not covered under the uaw's contract and so bringing them into the fold and basically making it so that even if the industry shifts entirely in, in that direction, it, do, it doesn't leave those workers out in the cold and they are part of the union.
0: Yeah. And, and obviously, too, when you when you start to add in batteries and kind of other more advanced technologies, the safety of workers is something that comes up as well. Right. Yeah. So that not being into the fold, in addition to just pure compensation, is also super important to just maintain safety standards and things like that. Otherwise, it's
1: just left up to the companies themselves, right. which we have seen doesn't always work. And it's like an entirely new technology. I mean, you know, electric vehicles have been around, but it is not something that, you know, the UAW has over 100 years plus has negotiated uh, safety regulations into their contracts and things like that. And and, and that's all geared towards facilities that produce uh, internal combustion engines and, and parts for that. Mm-hmm. This is an entirely new technology. And so you don't necessarily know all the risks that are going to come with the production of that. And so if those workers were left outside of the union protection, they may be, as you were saying, like far more at risk for injuries that are unforeseen at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that is a major victory that the, the UAW didn't even necessarily expect to, to gain when going into the strike in the first place. So that's huge. And you know, as a result, the UA mem- UAW members who were previously working at that Bellator plant overwhelmingly, overwhelmingly voted in favor of this new agreement with Stellantis. UAW President Sean Fain called the agreements, quote, an astonishing victory, end quote, for the more than 145,000 UAW workers employed by the Big Three. Also an astonishing victory for Fain himself, uh, who won a historic election back in March to take over the Union. It was the first
0: ever UAW election in which members voted directly to elect top officers. Previously, um, the top officials at the UAW were elected by delegates at a Union convention.
1: Yeah. Yeah and you know the election of fane and his slate of you know uh, manage managers uh, was seen as a referendum on the union's direction you know previous leadership uh, had actually been too conciliatory towards management and hadn't really done enough to recover as we were talking about earlier the concessions given during the 2008 recession you know if you remember at that time uh, the auto industry basically was on the verge of bankruptcy and had to be bailed out by the federal government and as a result of that, or you know, in the face of that, the workers, the union, were willing to give over a lot of concessions, especially in like pay and benefits, stuff like that, in order to keep the jobs in existence and keep the companies from going belly up. And then of course the federal government comes in and bails out uh, the industry and the automakers start seeing record profits again and the executives start getting huge bonuses uh, but the workers didn't actually regain any of the concessions they 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 gave over, so they didn't see any of the benefit of that, despite having sacrificed as much and clearly more than the executives of that company did, of those companies did. Um, but obviously, you know that's how it's going to go. If a union gives an inch, they're going to give a mile, mm-hmm. and so that's why you know in the past decade plus since that that uh, recession. The, the leadership of the union uh, as viewed by the rank and file just had not done enough to try and force management to give back to you know allow them to make the workers whole again and i think that was what really led the membership to seek an entirely different set of leader you know a type of leadership in the in the union and that's where fame comes in yeah
0: but but obviously like we were just talking about it, it was kind of a close election right yeah. i don't think it was kind of a a gigantic thing and and I think part of why Fane is bringing so much value to the UAW is not only is he bringing kind of these new strategies and directions we'll, which we'll touch on um but I think he's also able to communicate them yes right in so many of the articles that we saw throughout the the strike um there was a lot of kind of confusion among the membership of like why aren't we striking all the way across Every factory everywhere, right? You know, like a lot of, you know, so much for, you know, standing in unity with your other workers. But these were actually really important strategic decisions that Fane was making, right? Yeah. He brought his knowledge of the industry and the auto workers themselves, right? The value that workers bring, right? We talk all the time about replacing people with scab workers like it's gonna go badly for the company yeah right so he literally used what they bring to the table knowledge of the business an understanding and he was in it for the long haul right they didn't strike everywhere so they could maintain the strike fund they targeted specific plants that they knew had parts that were being used elsewhere yeah. so he could leave people on the line still keep them paid but yet also affect the bottom line very greatly and i think he was able to communicate that effectively while
1: executing it so you know i think this is was a great showing for him yeah absolutely i mean like the the fact that you know if you're a worker who is prepared to strike and then you are told to stand down that could be very confusing and like yeah. it would require as you said a lot of very specific communication from the leadership to understand why it is that you are not out on strike like your brothers and sisters at a different facility mm-hmm. and so you know not only having the brilliant strategy of keeping the the automakers on their toes by not announcing which facility was going to strike until they walked out on strike. Yeah. So making them have to figure out like where it's happening all at once. Mm -hmm. But also then very like just continuing to communicate that all the way through through all of your rank and file members. Yeah. So that they are on board with it no matter, you know, and they're ready to strike but they're also ready to keep going to work. Like that, it's a tightrope that he walked and he did did it really brilliantly. Yeah. And, and, you know, and we saw with the Writers Guild and
0: SAG-AFTRA one of the first Kind of strategies by the um, by the the kind of the content makers was well we're gonna wait a mouth right. Yeah they're not gonna be able to pay rent. We saw that coming out of like quotes from the side, like, uh, you know, kind of like off the record quotes coming from presidents of the different uh, kind of big content makers. And here, you know, I don't think Stellantis or Ford or GM could have said that, right? They knew how large the strike fund was. They knew that Fane wasn't using it for every single worker all at once and he could go the distance, right? And, And so he was, you know, he was very strategically, like you said, making them guess strategically using a knight like a small knife to cause a bunch of damage yeah. and then keeping his resources available so um again i you know i i think it's really important to remember that way more unions could do this than do but we don't always have the right people in leadership positions right, right? how they get there can be really interesting um and things like that but again the workers bring so much valuable institutional knowledge to the table and when used in the right manner like this it can be super effective
1: yeah and it really speaks to the fact that like having leadership made up of people who have been ver- like working in that job yes. very recently does you know it goes a long way to actually making it more effective yeah. Like that leadership more effective
0: and and let's be totally honest right high level executives probably don't know which plants matter the most right, right? like probably the people underneath them do but yeah. they don't know right so yeah. when the stuff comes in i think you know that there's a lot of talk there's a lot of posturing there's a lot of this sort of thing and and then when the damage starts rolling in and they start seeing the
1: numbers you know i think it can change pretty quick yeah and it, it really does seem like it did you know i mean uh, there was s- certain types of rhetoric that was coming out of the management camp uh, right when the, uh, the the strike started, that very much dissipated. And they, mm-hmm. you know, the strike lasted six weeks. Yeah. When you know, as you mentioned, the UAW or sorry, the uh, the SAG, AFTRA, and the uh, Writers Guild strikes those lasted nearly you know four or five months. Yeah. And this lasted six weeks. It just sort of shows the the difference in you know the tactic that that put fear into the the management uh, into management of all, all the big three companies yeah brought them back to the table yeah. very quickly
0: yeah and, and and obviously right like we'll touch on it here in a minute but the length of the contract was also very strategic by fan yeah. and again we'll talk about that in a minute but you know really now the work begins right yeah we've got this long contract into 2028 now it's time to for faint right he he had a very close election. We saw with the GM contract, it was only ratified by 55%. Right. That is not an overwhelming margin. So he has a lot to do between now and the next contract, right? This is not, uh, we have did it and it's over. This is right. a, and now we really get to get to work. So, um, you know, I think we'll keep an eye on it, but he's got
1: his work cut out for him. Yeah, it's no time to rest on your laurels. It is you know, really like time to get get down and, and continue working on this. And, you know, uh, as we were talking about, Fain, you know, he led a, a slate of members. so it wasn't just him as mm-hmm. a, as a you know immediate worker and then a bunch of you know sort of more union boss types. it was just a slate of workers who did actually run on being more militant like they promised to be more militant and promised to to actually push for those to regain those concessions that were given over in 2008. and so I, on that slate on that you know campaign platform, he and his slate of of, of uh, members won the uh, the UAW election, and then immediately turned around and within you know a few months put together this revolutionary historic strike and won. So that really does speak to uh, the need to have you know the desire of of working people and of union members to have leadership that is going to fight for them and is going to promise to actually. Push the envelope and not just maintain the status quo, and yeah. So I think you know the UAW is setting a great example here in this victory. Um, and you know, if you, uh, we'll just take a quick break here. If you're just joining us, this is Labor Radio. Uh, we are discussing uh, the historic strike and the massive victory in the in the contracts uh, given to the UAW, the United Auto Workers, um, that were just signed at the beginning of this month. And we we're discussing sort of the the way that they got to that victory and also. What that can mean for the labor movement uh, more more broadly, um, but yeah. So this was the first time that the UAW called a strike against all three major auto manufacturers simultaneously, and as we were discussing before, the strategy that they employed really did provide this is what led to this incredible victory. Mm-hmm. Um, you know the the victory is having also an effect on the industry more broadly the auto industry more broadly
0: yeah you know we we were talking about you know fane has his work cut out for him but one of the things that we're already seeing is that thousands of non-uaw workers or basically workers at plants that aren't under uaw have already reached out to basically sign cards online or join the union right growing the base growing the fund kind of doing all of these things so again this is this is really great news and is probably having an effect
1: outside of the auto industry itself. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I mean, even just directly within that industry, like companies like Toyota uh, and Hyundai have already agreed to, uh, in order to avoid strikes at their their own facilities, Mm -hmm. have already agreed to increasing uh, worker pay. Um, So, yeah, Toyota has committed to giving workers a 9% raise. Honda will increase wages by 11% and Hyundai uh, by 14% by next year um so like as you know as one uaw worker told uh in an interview within these times they said quote the ceos are not used to sean Fein. they are accustomed to our former leadership taking bribes they weren't accustomed to anyone fighting for us end yeah. quote one well, think about it too
0: right i mean if if uh if a toyota or a hyundai or a honda uh union kind of strikes out of the blue now I mean this is the key production for the end of the year. Yes. Right. This is Q four is when all of these companies do somewhere around half of their sales for the entire year. Yeah. So, you know, really, you know, we didn't touch on it, but Fane striking when he did too is also a very interesting timing because again he knows the industry. Yeah. And he's striking right as the production lines are probably making a bunch of new cars for the end of the year sale.
1: Absolutely. And so, you know, yeah, beyond just the specific victory for this one union and these sets of workers at, at these three major companies like as we we're saying this has this this victory is reverberating throughout the auto industry and the labor movement more broadly and you know a major point that uh that that sean uh, sean fain and the uaw put out there with this victory was that you know not only did they get major concessions but also they put a, a pu- they publicly called for a movement-wide coordination to build the possibility of mass action around the May 1st, 2028 uh, expiration of the auto contracts. Mm-hmm. So that happens to be May Day, which is International Worker, Workers' Day. Um, and so, yeah, they are calling on unions that are currently or are going to soon be negotiating contracts to set May 1st, 2028 as the expiration date for that contract Yeah. in order to basically create the, the conditions for a larger general strike. Yep. And so, like we said, the UAW
0: opted for a longer contract as part of their plan to organize with these other non-union automakers. So Tesla, Toyota, Volkswagen, Mercedes, BMW, Honda, Nissan, and and, and others. And so, you know, that, again, the workers, that's feign understanding the workers' power comes from them all being together yeah um and and again i hate to bring up sports again but we saw this right like (laughs) it's very relatable lebron Dwayne wade like chris bosh they all put their contracts at the same time right like this is something that again i I like to talk about sports because i think people relate to it more if you aren't in these industries but again you know and obviously there are slight differences but there's power in term length and end date and these things that clearly were not being taken advantage of before right Squeezing the entire juice out of the fruit, right? Like understanding in everything, you either give up or get. There's power in it, yeah. And so this is a, I think, a very smart move.
1: It is, and you know, I mean, the idea that that not only would the UAW the next time that their contract it comes up for negotiation, not only would it be just the auto workers and the 145,000 plus workers in that specific industry that would be threatening strike or could potentially go out on strike at that moment but the idea that it could be workers in across different industries you know not only auto workers but you know it could be uh, teachers it could be nurses it could be you know actors and and you know athletes and things like that it could be a nationwide strike or threat of strike all at the same moment would be unprecedented. I mean, like maybe, yeah.
0: And in some ways it really puts a lot of pressure on whatever administration is in power at the moment because, you know, we, we saw it with the, you know, the, the, obviously the train unions, right. Where that is obviously regulated differently due to legislation. But, you know, if a bunch of industries all threaten to go on strike right around Christmas, I mean, that is something that, if this was happening this year, the Biden administration would have to get involved. And obviously Biden came and picketed with the UAW. So he was obviously showing support. But I think that changes when it's like a gigantic, huge, you know, we could affect the GDP or the the output of the
1: country like writ large. Yeah, like it's one thing, you know, obviously Biden has, for the most part, proven to be more pro-labor than than most of the presidents. But like, you know, it's one thing to... Have a, you know show up and have a great photo op uh, with you know the striking workers? It's one thing to to have the rhetoric of supporting workers and supporting unions, but it's a, another thing entirely to be confronted with basically a economic shutdown mm-hmm. on the part of of the working class, and then have to you know as a president choose a side essentially you know yeah. the billionaire class or the working class. And and it would really you know depending on yeah who well, is, I think it just yeah. brings more powerful people into the mediation yes. right it puts more pressure
0: on companies to make decisions more quickly instead of wait out other people's strike funds or wait out people yeah. giving up and things like that so you know it just I, I think generally it gets us to decisions being made more quickly which in my opinion favors the the workers who are kind of the ones waiting
1: yeah. And, yeah, if there are multiple unions out on strike, if there are, you know, hundreds of thousands of workers across different industries, you know, maybe smaller unions might not have the strike fund to keep them out. But, like, there would be solidarity networks in place and maybe larger unions could help support those workers in smaller unions or industries that are also out on strike in solidarity with them. Um, So it really just it leads to possibilities that we have basically never seen before and would be maybe the largest you know collective labor action in the history of this country mm-hmm. and it would be, yeah it would be a revolutionary moment and so I, I think that it's incredible that that fain is is pushing beyond just his specific uh, cohort and and calling for a larger unification and coordination across the labor movement in general and it's incredible to see a union actually be this militant and this you know this radical precise yeah, yeah. so you know in it would be great to see other unions take up the call and You know, even here at home, the Portland Association of Teachers has a chance when negotiating this new contract to set May 1st, 2028 as the end date for their upcoming contract. And, you know, that would be great to see so many other uh, industries do the same. Um, We unfortunately are running out of time here, so we will obviously pick up uh, any updates to this uh, for our next episode. But um, we have been discussing the UAW strike and the, the call for a general strike on May Day of 2028. Um, so thank you so much for tuning in to Labor Radio. We will be back with you next month. Uh, I am Michael Cathcart. And I'm Elliot Gilland. Have a great evening.
0: In health, in health. There is no sense in House, There is no
1: I hope you listen to Community Radio, KBOO
0: 90.7. Baby, you understand me now If sometimes you see that I'm mad Don't you
1: know no one alive can When everything goes wrong, you see some bad,
0: but I'm just a soul whose
1: intentions are good. Oh, Lord, please don't let me be misunderstood.
0: Welcome to Prison, The Hidden Sentence raising awareness and providing education and insights for individuals and families with incarcerated loved ones, educating and empowering through personal stories of those affected by and involved with our prison population. Hi, everyone. This is Julia Lazarek with Prison,